But tonight we're in Revelation 9. And so if you didn't have those there, I, I went and made more copies and they're in the, on the way in there. There, I just took off all the taste buds on my tongue, so now I can talk. Um, just got that out of, the, out of our lucky pot down there in the offices. I'm going to take the lid off so it'll cool off a little faster. If I was my grandmother, I'd have brought a big old bowl and poured it into the bowl to make it cooler quicker. Um, at least that's what my mom told me she did. Let's pray before we begin uh, as we get started. Father, uh, we thank you for your abundant grace and mercy. Oh, Lord, um, every day we live, the older we get, the more we realize how much we need it, how much you have given that to us. And uh, Lord, we are just, we are so grateful for it. And I pray that we would never become used to uh, what what you've done for us. So uh, we ask for that more tonight, uh, that, that we might hear what your word says and all that we say about it. Um, thank you for this book and, uh, and just help us, to, uh, help us to maybe learn more, but also to um, want to investigate more in, uh, so that we might know you better in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I, it's, it's so hard uh, to me to teach Revelation because uh, the way I keep talking, I make it sound like it's so mysterious you can't understand it and, you know, and all that, or it's unanswerable, and, and none of that's really true. There, there's always going to be mystery to it because, um, because there just is. There are some things we, we have no clue about, um, and... and uh, uh, I don't, I don't want to call anybody out, but I got an email this week, and I really appreciated it. Um, but it, it was asked me because I was talking last week. Some of y'all might not have been here last week. Anybody Who wasn't here last week? I, I'm not calling you out again. Okay, good. Good to see y'all back. Um, just uh, We were gone for two weeks, and, and so the crowd was smaller, and it still is tonight. Um, uh, but uh, I, had, I had mentioned uh, the book of Enoch because in chapter 8, something he said, those people that heard that would immediately associate it with that because in this time of Christ, they're coming out of what we call the years of silence. And what we mean by that is there was no prophetic word that was recorded as scripture in those 400 years. I always get that confused with the time in Egypt. 300 years in Egypt, 400 years between Testaments, right? Somebody help me with that. Isn't that right? Okay, good. And, uh, hey, brother, come on down. Yeah, don't sit, don't sit on the mess there. Okay, just wipe it off. How you doing, brother? Good to see you. All right, amen. amen. Um, and uh, anyway, um, and so that is one of the, and, and those are the books that the Catholics put in their Bible. We call it the Apocrypha, but there's also the Pseudepigrapha, and there's another set. I don't even remember the names of those. And they are not scripture, but um, it is what these folks would have read and known about. And I have not studied the book of Enoch. I don't, I, I don't know a whole lot about it. I know a little bit about it. Um, I, I don't mind reading it and all of that. But the only reason I mention it is because Jude uh, quotes him, Peter quotes him, John here is quoting it, um, and there, I think there's a reference by Jesus even to it. And it, it serves not as scripture, but as an illustration of something that the writers are using to make a point to the listeners of Revelation. 
in their day. So it helps us to understand better. What it was was uh, the, the, uh, seven, uh, the seven strong angels, these seven angels. And Enoch talks about angels in more detail than the Bible does. Uh, um, there's Daniel uses a word that Enoch uses. And if Enoch had written, and, and by the way, there are several books of Enoch. It's only the first book that we think, if there's any authenticity to it all, it's the first book. The rest of them are people just trying to get on the bandwagon, just like in the Bible. It, you know, there's a gospel of Peter and all kind of stuff like that, that Peter didn't write a gospel account. So, um, so I, I just want to explain that, that, that I, my time's concentrated trying to understand the Bible. And in doing that, I read a commentary who explained that to me. So I just sort of was saying it last week. I didn't, I didn't find that out on my own. Um, but, uh, but Enoch does talk about, and he talks more about, the book of Enoch talks more about stuff in, in Genesis. Daniel uses a word for a certain group of angels that Enoch also uses, which is watchers. And, uh, and just here, here's, here's, here's a fun assignment also, if you want to write it down. Um, this week, look up Psalm 82 and do research on it, and Deuteronomy 32. Um, there's verses there that uh, are the way we have been taught is hard to understand. It's not, um, I'm trying to figure out just how to say it. It's not, it's nothing bad. Um, the Bible fits together with, a under, with an explanation of that, but a lot of people skip over it. And here's, here's the sad part is 1 Peter 3 is where I'm going to have to uh, because Enoch, that's where Peter is quoting Enoch is in 1 Peter 3, and I'm coming to that eventually. So I'm looking at that going, okay, that's going to be fun. But, uh, but anyway, so I just wanted to say that, and, I, and I, I'm saying that because I so appreciate someone asking me about it. And I hope if you've got a question, you can ask me in person, you can email me, you can give me a call, whatever. Um, because I may go, you know what, I didn't think that through, and you're right. Um, that one was easy. It's just like I've read it. It's just what a commentator said. I threw it out there for people just to know um, that Enoch had talked about these seven named high up angels. And this reference in Revelation, John just says that because John knew that, knew that Enoch had said that probably because it was the books uh, in, the, in the quiet or the, what we call the 400 silent years. There is an understanding today now, and by today I mean very recently where researchers um, believe that, that the Book of Enoch might not be, have a false author. It might actually have been written, at least in part, by Enoch. The, uh, there's a good theologian, and just to, I'll, I'll try to calm you on this as well, if, just in case it bothers you, um, that uh, also used the Book of Enoch to explain some things, but that, that guy was... Uh, he, he helped uh, explain it in the Lagos Bible software. I mean, he's that kind of PhD and taught at Liberty. And so, but he uses the Book of Enoch to explain some things in the Bible because it is part of the understanding of the writers, especially in the New Testament. So that's all, that's all. And, and I just want to say that so that to encourage you to ask me questions because if I'm wrong, I want to be, I want to know I was wrong or or thoughtless. Sometimes I'm just stupid. So um, I appreciate that as well. But what's that? Uh, 
Psalm 82, especially first verse or two, and then Deuteronomy 32. I'm going to have to look up the actual verses. I got stuck in Joshua. Um, yeah, things are things are lining up in the Middle East. Um, well, they're lining up in Russia and China and yeah. some other things like that. Syria, Turkey, they're going to be in there too. Yeah, sorry, my fingers are dry and my pages are stuck. I hate licking my finger to do this, but I can't turn a page if I don't. Um, uh, it's uh, Deuteronomy 32, 7, and 8. And, and do some research about how those verses might have been interpreted uh, by the Dead Sea Scrolls, what, how the Dead Sea Scrolls wrote them. Um, here's what it says. Uh, Do you thus repay the Lord, you foolish and senseless people? Is not he your, fa- not your father who created you and made you and established you? Somehow the Jew- that's verse 6. Somehow the Jewish people forgot that God was their father. Uh, Jesus had to re- reteach that. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations Ask your father, and he will show you, your elders, and they will tell you. Verse 8, when the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. Sons of God have to be angels. And, and yeah, if you, and the Dead Sea Scroll writing of this, is definitely angels that that, and remember what Daniel said, or not Daniel didn't say it. It's recorded in Daniel that Gabriel said, "I would have got to you 21 days ago, but the prince of Persia hindered me, and I got to go, and I had to call for Michael, and I'm going back because the prince of Egypt, of Greece is coming to him." So there are these an, angelic beings that are fallen an, angels that are in, in warfare against God. When, when Satan rebelled, yes, when Satan rebelled, he, he led a, a rebellion. I said, some, I said this in the sermon today because been, I've been reading a book. Um, at, well, actually, I, I heard that same guy lecturing, and he, he was explaining, and I said it in service so you heard me that baptism is an act of spiritual warfare because you're declaring, I'm not on your side, I'm on Jesus' side. And it, because when Jesus, when Jesus asked Peter, who do men say that I am, who do you say that I am, he was sitting at the gates of hell and the gate of Pan at the foot or on Mount, um, can't get it, um, Mount Hermon, or Mount Hermon is how we would say it. And, and he was asking them to make a choice and say, and, the, and, and possibly the Mount of Transfiguration was there where he talked about his resurrection with Moses and Elijah. He went to what they believe, the peoples then believed this was the place 
that there was a shaft there that was a portal to hell, and that's where he went to say, who am I? I am him, and I'm going to the cross. And, um, and what, once you start looking more at, at that spiritual thing that we kind of don't look into too deeply, um, when Satan asked, told Jesus, if you worship me, I'll give it to you, he was, he was, he was testing him. He wanted to know, or when he said, well, that was one thing, and to jump off the, we, we understand it was the same, the same temptation of Adam, but also when he said jump off, he wanted to know if he jumps off, will he die? Can I actually kill him? Because I can't believe he came in human flesh. And the Bible, and Paul said later, if they had known what he was really up to, they wouldn't have killed him. Because by killing him, he forgave us of our sin, and then he rose again. And Satan was trying to figure that out. This is, there's this spiritual warfare that starts in Genesis one in Genesis 3, and then we see an incursion in Genesis 6, and then there are these other hints through the, through the Bible, and they just said it like, yeah, everybody knows that, but we've kind of lost it. And so we come to Revelation, and John is referring to people who referred to all that, and we're going, well, this, you know, could be a meteor, <laughs> and, you know, and I, I'm, I'm throwing stuff together. That's not true, but um, so anyway, uh, it, it, it gets, it gets, in a spiritual way, we, we're trying to figure out timelines, and in a spiritual way, this is the culmination of that warfare. This is the culmination of the rebellion of Satan, and there has been an, a, a clash and a war since Satan said, I'm going to exalt myself above the Most High. Let me ask you this, where did Satan come from? Or Lucifer, I'm not asking like where did he get the name Satan. How did Satan come into existence? Yep. So he is a created being, and the Bible calls angels sons of God. They are image bearers of God. They're a different kind of image bearer than we are. So who's more powerful, angels or men? Psalm 8, right? In Psalm 8, where it says, Who is man that you would consider him? You made him a little lower than the angels. So angels rebelled, and what happened to them? Well, it's in Revelation. They're locked away. In fact, is it tonight or next week we get into that? I read, I was, I was doing research in both these chapters, and I was having to pick through the commentary because it's commentary I like, but I still didn't agree with everything he said either. And I was having to try to fi figure, uh, so I can't remember what chapter I was studying, um, where there's going to be four angels released. They've been held in, cap in lockdown. The, an angel's going to come down with a key to the bottomless pit. That's next week. So I'm better stopping. So. And, uh, and he's going to release them, and they're going to start doing some stuff. Let's just put it that way. Well, who are they? They, they were fallen angels back in that rebellion, and, and God locked them away. And he's, there's been a warfare going on. What? I don't want to get into that because then I have to explain a whole other thing, so I'm not going to do it. But um, so angels were, were the we're a type of image bearer of God. We are a type of it. Do we look exactly like God? No, of course not, because we're fallen, right? Well, those fallen angels are. They're, they're, they're not God, but they were created. And I said Psalm 82 because it says, so God sat in the council of the gods. Who are they? Those are the ones he created. In fact, Jesus 
quote Psalm where it says that God said, you are God. It's talking about us too. We, are, we, are, we, are we God? No, but we're an image bearer of God. So they were image bearers of God. They fell and they got punished for eternity. They, he gave them one chance. Man did it and he said, I'm going to send, I'm going to come myself and save you. And those fallen angels got angry about that, and they still are. And there's been a warfare in heaven. Um, in fact, in Revelation, and we may have already gone past that verse. I didn't make a big deal out of it uh, at the time. If I did, if we did go by it, I think we did. But it says uh, the warfare on the saints. Talk, and it, it we'll come to it if we haven't already done that. And there was a, a person, late 1800s, Night, early 1900s, and wrote a book. Can't remember the name of the person, and it's called Warfare on the Saints. That she took that title out of Revelation and talks about the attack of the enemy against Christians, and it's a spiritual attack, and it does happen. Um, so, I'm sorry, I'm just pausing, editing my thoughts a little bit. So we we have to be in prayer because. Like I said, when we do a baptism, that is a spiritual warfare thing because someone whom the devil thought was going to be his, Christ has redeemed, and they are declaring, I'm for God, I'm for Christ. I am, I'm, I'm not going to be on his side, I'm on Christ's side now. And uh, that angers him every time we lead somebody to the Lord. So uh, if, you want, if you want the devil mad at you, lead people to the Lord. That scares some people, but hey, he's going to lose, right? And, uh, and that's the fight we're in. And Revelation is this big, huge clash of that. And so we're going to start getting into, as we're, we're getting to this area in Revelation where we see these cataclysmic things coming, coming and happening. So let's look at chapter 9. Um, and uh, he is on a leash. And that's right. Yep. And Job and, and other places, he can only do what God allows him to do. And, but the one who restrains is going to be taken out of the way. Right. Deuteronomy 32. Right. Yep. He's got it. <laughs> You're exactly it. And... and and then, and then there were giants in the land. Yeah. There, there were giants. Let me ask you this. When did... Yeah. When did giants quit... To, when did the giants of Scripture quit existing? Yeah, the Nephilim. And uh, also the, uh, the Anakim and the um, Raphaim. Well, David's, David had to kill one. Caleb killed several when he went back into Canaan, right? Well, that was before David, sorry. Caleb, Caleb, there was a whole mountain full of them, and he killed all of them. Yep. And, and I, I don't know what to make of this, but there are supposedly, and I don't understand this. Well, I'm not going to say that. They're, they're bigger than the guys then. Let's just put it that way. We don't know how big they were exactly. Um, one, of the, one of the ones that the children of Israel had to kill was uh, Og of Bashan. I told you all about that before. And he had a bed that was like 13 feet big. 
Um, that was his bed. Um, but Og might have also been, uh, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm confusing. Don't no, no, let me confuse you. Um, so anyway, let's look at Gen uh, Revelation 9. So the fifth angel, so we come to the fifth trumpet, all right? We only, go, we only get to five, six, uh, five, six uh, tonight, and then seven comes later. Um, seven comes in chapter... Ten, yes. I was thinking it was eleven. No, eleven is the seventh trumpet. Um, but what happens here at the end of chapter uh, eight? And let, let's look at that again. I, I, I read, and I apologize for last week. I did not study the right stuff so that I would know a little bit better. So I went back and I, I studied eight, nine, and ten this week um, again. Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. And we weren't sure about the word eagle, but it is a bird of prey. It may not be an eagle like you and I think of one. We think of the bald eagle, but there's a lot of types of eagles. Hawks, falcons, eagles, vultures are all birds of prey. And owls, don't forget them. Who can do an owl call? Who can do a barred owl? Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, I've had them fly up on me doing that. Um, anyway, so, uh, uh, so this eagle is flying directly overhead. It's at the zenith of the sky, crying out, whoa, whoa, whoa. And that refers to the last three trumpets. Four have already happened. And then he says, these three woes for those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. So not only does he say, whoa, 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 he tells you what, what it, why he said it. So, uh, so um, the commentary I, I read, he's always saying when he, doesn't, when he doesn't know what else to say about it, he goes, that's symbolic. I'm, I, I don't know if it's symbolic or not. I think there's a big, a big eagle going to fly over and do that, right? Uh, is it a spiritual eagle that humans can't really see? Possibly. Um, are there animals in heaven, by the way? I've asked that before. There's horses, so... And we, we, we tend to have separated heaven from earth so much that, like, well, heaven's just where we get to go. And that's where God is and angels are. But it could be a planet much like ours. It could be. This is one of the things, if you read the book on heaven, I think he talks about that. Yeah. There's one. By the way, yeah, in these chapters, we see a mountain falling out of the sky or some kind of thing. Let's say that's a meteor. I'm not saying it is or not. Let's say it's a comet or a meteor or whatever. Where is it now? It's on the way. <laughs> right? It's already on the way because we may or may not have seen it yet. But it's on the way. Now, it could be, what, whenever it's going to happen, God's got an exact spot in space coming this way at the exact speed to arrive exactly when he meant for it to happen. Right? Right? Exactly. Remember when Jesus says, not my time. It's not time yet. He wouldn't let them kill him because it wasn't time. Because Daniel predicted, I've read, I can't do the math, the exact day he'd die. It, it was predicted. Balaam predicted him. Balaam that, that 
was asked to curse Israel and God changed it into a blessing, he predicted the coming of Jesus and his star. And there's artwork from way back with, with Balaam pointing up at a star um, to signify that. So uh, there's so much in the Bible that we just, we, we like to tell a story about David and Goliath. Uh-huh. Isn't that nice? And we like to think we are David. No, David was Jesus. If we're in that story, we are the Israelites standing on the mountain shaking with shaking knees. <laughs> All right? We do not want to line up on Satan. It is a show, it's a sign of this, what looks like a giant, and this little teenage boy going down there and taking out that enemy. Um, and anyway, so his, death, his life and death were predicted to the moment by Daniel in the book of Daniel. And revelation is going to happen exactly the way it's going to, exactly when God wants it to. We just don't know when that is, all right? Uh, but we will start getting some really good hints as we go forward uh, in time. And um, it would not surprise me if this didn't kick off quick soon. Uh, by the way, uh, again, uh, I, I was quoting a, a missions professor last couple of weeks, because I heard this, um, where he said, that, uh, and I understand there's like, however many, 1,600 or 1,400 languages we, don't, we haven't translated yet um, in, in, so that they can know about Christ. Did you know that a language dies every two weeks? There is a, lang- a language that dies. Think about like Native American languages. Many of them are lost. Where I grew up, there's a separate language called Gullah, and it is, it is in danger of dying because nobody, only people that speak it are a few people in their homes. They wouldn't speak it out loud in public because it was a... It, it, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, 1611 uh, English is dead. There's a few people that probably know it, but... I mean, it really is. You couldn't read it. If it was written out in front of you, you wouldn't even know what, you, the letters, everything's different. And English, between 1611 and not long after that, or between 100 years before, 1511, 1611, it changed drastically. 1611 today, it's changed a lot. But it's just way different. One of the reasons, well, uh, the Lost Tribe, that, that Roanoke comes into that. But anyhow... Have you, have you ever thought about this? <laughs> Sorry. I'm coming to, re- all this is kind of background on Revelation 9 and 10. I want, I, I want you to think about technology. What happened at Babel after the flood? What happened at the Tower of Babel? Right. And why did God change the languages and scatter the people? But, but why, why, did, why did God say we've got to confuse their language? Why did Yahweh say that? Well, he said that What's that? Wait, wait, wait. Nothing they could do. Yep. What did you say? Yeah, they, they were trying to... The Tower of Babel was, it says, to build this tower to the stars. They weren't trying to get to the stars. They were building something to worship the stars, to worship nature. They were rejecting God. And, and so the way we just kind of read that in English it was, oh, they're building a tower trying to reach the stars, trying to get to heaven without God. No, they, were, they, they, were, they believed in a false religion. Understand all the gods that are named are, 
Um, I forget which one is which. It's Zeus and Roman Greece. Who's the top god in the other one? One is Zeus and the other is Jupiter is the big one in the other. Same dude. Baal, same dude. Just different cultures gave different names. These, worldwide, they worship the same gods, and there is always a remnant of the true God in those things. Um, Tecumseh in the 17, late 1700s, early 1800s, um, a, a um, Shawnee uh, kid who was a little kid when Daniel Boone was captured by the Shawnee, and Daniel Boone possibly gave him candy, um, literally gave him candy. He gave candy to the Indian kids. He was adopted by the, the same Indian that adopted Tecumseh after his parents died, um, was also Daniel Boone's adopted father when he was with the Shawnee. And um, they worshiped the life-giving spirit and could not understand why white people wanted to own the land that the life-giving spirit had created because that belongs to all men because God created it for all men. And Tecumseh wanted to get all the Indians together to fight the white men, and he couldn't get some of the tribes to join him because they were fighting each other <laughs> too, too much. Um, the, the, the remnant of God is everywhere. And I, I, was, I, was, I, been, I was listening to a historical a guy telling Tecumseh's story, but he said something. He was a Christian guy. He said, at Babel, God separated the languages, and there from the Middle East, men scattered. And some went this way, and we believe the North American Indian uh, tribes, all of the North American or the Americas Indians were Orientals, the people that started moving east, and by the time they got to Pacific were Oriental. That is a racial designation. It's called um, Mongoloid is the technical term. We are Cocoid, and African Americans are Negroid, and those are just these used to be terms we could say, but we can't say them anymore. People get mad. So the, these, these um, oriental types walked across the Bering land bridge before it disappeared and kept coming east. They traveled east. The people that went west became white people, and they got to the Atlantic on the, on the east coast of the Atlantic, and they went across by boats later, and they met the Oriental people. It took thousands of years, and then they clashed on the North American continent, or the American continents. Think about that. And we had separate languages. The way the Indians spoke was so different. They're just, what, nouns were not important in the Shawnee language at least, is what I just learned. Verbs were, so I wouldn't say, I went to the store, to get bread, I would say bread was bought at the store by me. The noun's the least important thing. So they didn't care who did it, they just cared it got done. All right, but the white people cared about who did it. I am the leader, I wanted, you know. So there was this clash of culture and all. What has happened, I, I, I just thought about this yesterday talking to somebody. My grandmother, would have known older people when she was young that had been slaves in North America. My grandmother, 
and possibly yours. But my grandmother was born in 1893. So, and then had my mom when she was older, and my mom had me when she was older. So, my, just to, I never knew my grandmother, but those generations stretch out many, many years. My dad was born in 1919, my mom in 26. So, it goes way back. So, my, all my grandparents possibly knew former slaves. That freaks me out. I mean, that's 160 years ago now, something like that. Isn't that amazing? In my lifetime, my dad was born in 1919. Planes and cars were invented 16 years before that. Think about that. One of his older brothers, who was probably that age, was probably born in the year that they, they were inventing cars and airplanes. And by a year, a, a year, a few, a couple of years before my dad, my granddad, my granddad on my mom's side came to Paris Island. He came to fight in World War I, where guess what? They were flying them as weapons of war. And that was what, 12, 14 years, something like that? In my lifetime, microwaves have been invented. Um, we went, transistor radios were a new thing when I was a kid. And now I've got a phone in my coat back there that I can talk to my friends in Africa and just dial a number. It'll ring on their phone. That's why a language dies every two weeks. And if you want to, today, if you want to participate in worldwide commerce or fly an airplane Anywhere in the world, what language do you have to know? English. We're back to Babel. And if you don't know it, you can just put a handy-dandy app on your phone, say something in any other language, it'll translate it into English for you. And you can speak it and translate it out. And my brother back here is going to help you. Hold, hold on a second. Yes, they would have. Yeah, exactly. The success is not there. What they had proposed to do. Yep. And that's exactly my point. I'm not trying to tell you new things. I'm trying to expose that there are things that are there that we've ignored because we don't want to think of the supernatural. And we are back to that. And I'm not, I, I don't know how to say it. But just to say, we are in danger of going back into that, and we're looking at, and it looks like the second coming's coming soon, right? Soon. Be, be, yeah, very soon, because of, of what we're seeing. I know every generation thought it was going to happen, but we see the possibility of what we're reading here, and we are able to go, yeah, that could happen, yeah, that could happen. There is technology that we still haven't put all together that, that probably for some things that we don't think we could do that, well, we got that piece there and that piece there and that piece there and we just haven't quite put it all together, but we are working toward that. In medical, in the medical world, um, this was stuff of science fiction in the 70s and 80s maybe, but, but I'm telling you, and to my delight, but also there's an evil component to it, uh, I have had the doctor give me a physical exam 
who figured out what protein would cause my body to make islets of Langerhorn grow in my pancreas. So you could get a bunch of human stem cells and put that pancreas to it, put that protein to it, and it would become insulin-producing cells that you could put in somebody's pancreas if you wanted to, or just give them the protein and their body would do it. But what am I saying? Oh, you lost a leg? That's okay, we can grow you a new one in the laboratory. We'll take some of your stem cells and we'll grow all that because we just got to figure out what triggers the stem cell to become a blood vessel or flesh or muscle or bone. Or, and if we're using your stem cells, it'll become like your leg and then we'll just put it, reattach it for you or we'll put it in your leg and cause it to grow. That technology, that understanding is there. We just don't know what all it is yet. But people are digging for it so that we become what? Like God, right? That's what the Tower of Babel was about. That's what we are back to. And we now have a common language, a common research language, a common commerce language, a common transportation language that the whole world to now, I'm not saying everybody in every nation knows English. I'm saying the shakers, the movers, the business, the science, the, all of that all know enough English for us to communicate. And if we don't, we got electronic translators so we don't have to pay somebody flesh and blood to do it. It's crazy. I'm just, I've just, I've, y'all got, I just, this is another reason I don't want to do Revelation. I get studying into stuff like that going, ah! <laughs> it's going to be rough. So let's look at chapter 9. Let's just look at this little part. Uh, so we got only two happening here, but there are three. Um, there's a distinction between the first four and the last three. And I should have written it down. I brought the book with me, but I'm not even going to look it up. But uh, the, I think it's the first, yeah, the first four affected men, but it wasn't on men. And by men, I'm using that in the generic term of mankind. In chapter 9, beginning with the fifth, fifth one, we have a, um, it, it actually affects persons, people. So let's just look at the language here in verse 1. The fifth angel blows his trumpet, and I saw a star falling from heaven to earth. Now, if you want to stop there and talk about that, we could, but he tells what that is in the very next sentence, so we'll keep going. And he, the star from heaven, so we have an angelic being described as a star. Some people have read that so loosely and they want to say it is Christ. In fact, that's in one of our hymns. Um, but Jesus is never referred to as an angel, and this, it, this, it just it can't be him. Um, it's just an angel. But he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. Now, think about that language. So, okay, I, I keep bringing these back, so let me just, I'm going to use them tonight since I've got them. And hopefully, hopefully this will work. Oh, man, it's way back there. So, ah, what is the angel opening? Okay, but, but no, he didn't open the bottomless pit. He opened something else. What did he open? Okay, so a shaft to me is like a, a double straight line. I probably used this one the most and it, it went dry. One of these works. I thought it would be that one. Let's see. 
So this would be the shaft. Yeah, there we go. So somehow I'm going to do that. There's some sort of covering on this shaft, right? And then below that is this bottomless pit, right? Can there be a bottomless pit on earth? Of course not. Because I'd dig all the way to China. Right? If it was bottomless, I could just drop in that shaft and come out in China somewhere at the other end of it. So this is, this is symbolic language of it's got enough room for whatever God wanted to put in there, right? It is, it is beyond man's ability. Have you ever been to one of those um, bottomless water things anywhere in the world? There, there used to be one up in the mountains. We'd go at the mountains just north of South Carolina where my dad was from and I don't know where it was. I was a little kid, and we went to this place, and oh, that's a, it was in Ripley's, believe it or not. This pit is bottomless. Nobody's ever found the bottom. Well, we can only go down a few thousand feet. I mean, after a while, you run out of rope, and nobody's ever found it. We were in Mexico some, a few years back with a Navy diver, master diver, and he also played with the, with the people of whom we don't speak. And we're at this place, and, uh, and uh, what, who are the native uh, Indians from Mexico? The... Um, not the, the Mayans, thank you. I knew it started with the M, I couldn't get the word out. So we, there was a Mayan guy there, and then a typical just mix of all the nations that have been in Mexico, Mexican guy. And he said, this is a shaft that no one's ever found the bottom to, and it was water. And so my buddy, who's a Navy diver, says, hey, can I jump in there? And I mean, the hole wasn't that big. It was probably 10 feet wide, maybe at the biggest. And he went, I can't give you permission, but he's Mayan, he can. And so he asked the Mayan guy, I went, yeah, I don't care. And so he dove. He's like, I got about 10 feet down, I couldn't see anything. I figured, oh, I'm coming back, I ain't going any deeper. But he, he swam down that thing a little bit. Well, there's no such thing as a bottomless pit. So, but that's not what's so important. He opened the shaft to the bottomless pit, and what came out? Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I guess where there's smoke, there's got to be fire, right? So, so he, opens, he opens the top somehow, he opens it, and all of a sudden smoke comes pouring out. What else came out? Yeah, I, ne I never thought about this, because we read it, and smoke, smoke rose like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened, and the smoke from the shaft, and from the smoke came locusts on the earth. So, I, I didn't do a good job with this. Um, so, you got smoke, I'll try to, it looks like I'm drawing some kind of weird tree, doesn't it? So, you got smoke out here, and all of a sudden, out flying from these things, come some kind of locust. I don't know how it looks, but that's trying to represent some wings and antenna and stuff. The smoke didn't produce them. I, these are ninja locusts because they're coming out of the smoke. They did the smoke trick, poof, and then they came out of the smoke, right? Okay, that's what's going on. So we, we have these insects coming out. Now, they're going to be described, and I just was watching a TV show about unexplained things, and they saw this weird-looking insect. And they said, what is this? 
So they'll go to several experts to say, well, it could have been this, could have been that, could have been this. One of the could have beens is, guess what people do? They like to take bacterias and viruses, and hmm, if we combine that one with that one, what do we get? And we, they experiment, and they get these hybrid weird insects. I don't think that's a man-made thing, but could God have made some stuff that we've never seen before, put it in a bottomless pit, sealed it, the shaft, which symbolizes to me something else there, that there, there are portals between this world and somewhere else. Now, I don't, I don't know the nature of those. I don't know what they are. But right there, he told us there is one, that the angel unlocks this bottomless pit, the shaft to the bottomless pit, and out of that shaft, like, pressure is built. Now, is that a volcano? No, I don't think so. But in that, what a volcano is? It's a shaft to the magma at the, further down in the earth. I, I don't know if it's the center of the earth, but further down, and when it boils up. Why is it boiling up? Because of the flood. The flood shifted and broke the plates. That's why, they, that's why it, can, it can get there. So, uh, so just that... I don't want to spend too much time on every detail about the shaft and the smoke. So out of the smoke came locusts on the earth. They were given power, like the power of scorpions on the earth. So this is a very unusual insect, right? It's a, it, it, it's a locust, but it's like a, a, a scorpion. And they were uh, told not to harm the grass on the earth or any green plant. In chapter 8, a third of that has been killed. Um, but only those people who, in verse uh, 7, I guess I am in, no, not 7, um, 4. In verse 4, who did they torment? Yeah. So there are people in the tribulation that have the seal of God, right? We read already in past chapters where an angel came and sealed some believers. I, okay. Now, in my world, the people sealed in the tribulation, we call those Christians, okay? Because there's no other sealing but the sealing of the Holy Spirit, and they're Christians. Somehow, these insects know... Oh, that's, that, the Holy Spirit lives in that dude. I can't sting him. So they're only stinging lost people, right? Now, do any of these lost people ever get saved? I don't know the answer to that. Never thought about that question until just now. So I'll have to look that up some more, and y'all tell me what you think later, too. They weren't sealed until after the tribulation kicked off. And, and... Um, don't forget, I, I don't believe the rapture happens till at the end of Revelation. So, um, it, so far we haven't seen a rapture in Revelation. Um, so anyway, they, they can't hurt the grass. They're tormenting these lost people. But look at verse 5. They were allowed to torment them for five months. Now, the commentator that I read, I didn't read enough commentators to know, and, or sweet potatoes for that matter, Sweet taters and commentators. Um, anyway, 
Um, sorry, that's an old kid joke about why the mom didn't want her sweet tater daughter to marry, you know, uh, yeah, uh, Walt Brinkley, whatever his name was, Walter Cronkite, because he was a commentator and she was a sweet tater. Um, anyhow, this is a stupid old joke. Um, why five months? And the commentator said, we don't know. It never tells us. Is it just a short period of time? Is it just like now? But here's what is most interesting but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. Now, my, my daughter lived in Costa Rica for about a year. I don't remember the exact number of time. And her then husband got stung two or three times by scorpions and said it burned really badly. You know, it wasn't the kind it could kill you, but he said it really hurt. Yeah, I, 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 I don't live where they live and I don't want to be stung by one. I don't mind living where they live, but I just don't want to be stung. But, but they, it really hurts. These folks are in agonizing pain because look at verse 6. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. So whatever this sting is, is a lot worse than any sting we've seen before. It is painful, it's torturous, and they want to die. That death is removed from the earth. That, I, I don't want to get graphic, I, I, sorry, I'm tired, so my mind, I can't stop my mind, so that's where it goes. But in my head, there's awful scenes, and yet they're not dead. They want to die and cannot die. This isn't zombies, this isn't the walking dead, this is the living who cannot die. I mean, they could stab themselves in their heart, and they're not going to die. They seek death. That's, that's a nice way of saying some of them are trying to commit suicide, get out of their agony, and they're not going to die. And I've had relatives do that, and I don't take that lightly. It, it's got to be something we've never seen. And look at verse 7. It starts describing them. In the appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Their hair was like women's hair, and their teeth are like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and stings like, scorp stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit, and his name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, he is called Apollyon. Now, there's a couple of things in there. Um, I'm going to use my phone to look it up. I was going to pick up my book, but I don't want to do that. <clears throat> Have we ever seen a plague of locusts described like this before? Hint, hint, hint. The answer is yes. Do you know where? Yep. Well, that was <laughs> exactly... Um, and I can even give you the book, I just can't give you the exact reference, in Joel. And why did this not tell me? Not scorpion, locust. Not scorpions, locusts. Remember, they're locusts that can sting like scorpions. That would help if I did it that way. Well, I'm going to have to pick up my book because, well, maybe it doesn't say it plural. Let me do it. It, it's, it's in the book of Joel. Yeah, thank you. It's in Joel 2. Here we go. Joel 1, 4 and Joel 2. 
And well, he says, I will restore to you the year that the locusts have taken. Um, no, in, in chapter 1. Wow, that's the problem. King James doesn't use the word locusts, it used nations. Joel is one of those minor prophets, which means they're hard to find. All right, if you've got a Bible like mine, it's on page 1,138. Um, what the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. And what the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. Um, and then later, he refers to these locusts as the nations. It was a symbol of these nations, and he describes the nation that comes up against the land, powerful beyond number. Their teeth are like lion's teeth. They have the fangs of a lioness. They've laid waste my vine and, and my fig tree, stripped of, his, of its bark. Um, good night. Uh, well, I was reading it in another book, and I should have opened my Bible and, and marked it in here so I could come straight to it. But they talks about the having hair like women. There it is. It's in chapter two. You're right, brother. Thank you. I was sorry. Um, blow a trumpet in Zion. And by the way, this one in Joel is not this one. This is a different one. This is a different judgment on Israel here. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. The day of the Lord is coming. It's near where great. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, like blackness to spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful people. Their like has never been before, nor will be again after them the, the, through the years of all generations. So right there is not the end, because it's going to be generations after. They devour before them and behind them uh, a, a flame burns. The land is like a garden of Eden before them, but behind them is a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses they run, rumbling of chariots. They leap on tops of mountains like the crackling flame of fire, devour the stubble, powerful cry. Um, before it talked about their teeth, it talks about their hair. So in the book of Joel, these are described much like these ones in Revelation. Um, if we took just, why would you call them that? They do make that kind of noise when it's so many, the sky is darkened by them, the swarms are so big. That swarm sounds like this roaring uh, sound. Um, their antennae are very long, so they have hair like a woman or long antennae. But they are a creature coming out of a bottomless pit that are different because they sting like scorpions. They got a stinger in their tail that locusts don't have. So this is an unusual thing. And who is their king? And that's what I was going to pick up the book. He used a Hebrew word and a Greek word. In the Hebrew word, he uses a noun. In the Greek, he uses a verb. Destroyed and the destroyer. Yeah, it's Satan. The destroyer. That's who their king is. It's unusual for locusts to have a king. That's also in uh, some scripture. So that's the first woe of, of the last three. That's the fifth trumpet. The sixth trumpet is the second woe. There in verse 13. Um, Uh, yeah, um, uh, why does it say who else is released? Anyway, 
and yeah, I got a lot of what's. What, what questions are, are easier? Um, who is prevented from being injured, by the way? We, we said who got stung, but who does not get stung? Right, the, the people that have the seal of God are not hurt. Um, and so the sixth angel blows his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. I know there's been a lot in the news, but the Euphrates dries and gets rewatered all the time. That, that's not unusual. Uh, people are just making a big deal out of it because there's everything else going on. Um, so the four angels, who it doesn't say it dried up. It says they, were, they are held there. So the, I don't think. Let me stop myself before I say something's wrong. Um, so, the four, uh, so the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year. That's why I said what I said earlier. There is an exact time for which they were prepared to be released. What's going to happen? Um, and they are bound at that place. Why are they bound? Because they rebelled against God. And he trapped them there. And now the number of mounted troops was uh, twice 10,000 times 10,000. That means 200 million. All right. I, I didn't do the math. I read it. Okay. So I, if I'm wrong, you can, you can, I need a calculator to, to do that. So my blame is 200 million. And I heard their number and, th- and I heard... It's so big, John says, I can't count it. I heard their number. Notice that. John didn't go, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He just said, I heard their number. It's 200 million. He didn't say 200 million. He said twice 10,000 times 100,000, whatever. Um, And so, is it exactly 200 million? Possibly, because that's what it says, right? But it could be 100,999,999. But... Somebody told him it's 200 million. So that's what he said. So we're going to go with that. All right. Um, I'm just saying it won't shake my faith if there's one less or one more. Okay. Uh, it's, it's right there. Once you get to, you know, 100 million, I've just lost count anyhow. So that's fine. Two times that. Wow. That's a lot. And this is, uh, and this is how I saw the horses in my vision. And those who rode them, they were breastplates the color of fire and a sapphire of sulfur, and the heads of the horses were like lion's heads, fire and smoke and sulfur. Notice he says like, like, like. He's not saying it is, he's saying like. So it, it resembles it. It's, it's a, it is symbolic language. Because he's telling us it's symbolic language. This is what it was like. I can't describe it other than to tell you what it was like. You, I know that's... That's a popular word these days. People say like when they're trying to describe something. I want to shake them. Just say what it is. Quit saying like. <laughs> um, because I, I, I saw some little film, or I don't know, Janice saw or I saw it, but, and they counted. And this person said like three or four sentences, and they counted like 50 likes. And like I was like at the like store, like, and I saw like this thing, like, and it just every other word was like. And it, Ah, stop. Uh, when my kids were young, we, we took some friends of theirs, and we were going somewhere. And this girl in the back seat, she talked like that, and, like, it was so cool. Like, I was there, and I went, stop. I want you to tell me what you just told me without using the word like. And she literally could not talk. She's try, she, to her credit, she tried and went, I was, 
I can't do it. And I'm just like, oh, man. Honey, you got to practice. Try, try to not do that. But anyhow, that's just my pet peeve. Sorry. Um, what was the name of that show that had, like, the hippie guy and other people? And he, it, like, work? Remember that? From the, who was that? Do y'all remember that? It, it, was that Scooby-Doo or wasn't there a, a live action people like that? But what it, is Maynard, the guy in Scooby-Doo? The, the Scooby-Doo's Shaggy. So guess, guess, go back and watch the cartoons. That's like cool, man. He uses the word like like kids do today. All right, so just, if you ever want to. Yeah, he was also Maynard, right? What, what was the name of the show where he was Maynard? Oh, Maynard and me. I, I, yeah. Yeah, he's a beatnik before hippies. They were the, huh? Dobie Gillis, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. I can sleep tonight. All right. I have been trying to remember that for 24 hours. Could not remember that name. Um, but anyway, so, and this is how I saw the horses. So he describes them. In other words, it is frightening. It is, it is awesome. It is great. Look at this. And fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. It doesn't say like. It says it did. You ever heard of a fire-breathing dragon? Do you know that uh, if, if you're into creation science, you go to the Creation Science Museum, and you know what they have? They have a display of dinosaurs up there, and were dragons real? Yeah. Do you know what is in a T-Rex's head that they don't know why it's there? Two huge chambers that seem to have nothing to do with anything. They don't help them talk. It's not... Sinuses, that's a separate thing. But how do you create, how do you have a flamethrower? How do you have a guy with a tank on his back and a hose in his hand and he hits a button and fire comes flying out of that hose? How does that work? If you don't know, you got, you got two things that are going to combine coming out of that hose that create fire. And then it... So if you have an animal like the bug in South America that can expel fire out, what's it called? The bombardier beetle. So when a bird comes to get that beetle, it shoots two chemicals out of its back end, and it goes pop! It makes an explosion. The bird backs up, and the bug takes off. So why couldn't God put that? You know, T-Rex has only got arms like this. They can't catch anything. <laughs> ah, cooked and dead. <laughs> And Kenia, I'm just telling you that is a possibility. I'm not saying that is what it is, because where there's smoke, there's fire. And Satan, we called Satan a serpent, but that word in Hebrew is dragon. In Revelation, he's the dragon, the great dragon. So these creatures that are coming out of the same, um, yeah, well, out of a out of out of the river Euphrates or near there, um, and so. They have smoke and sulfur coming out, and these three plagues, and by three plagues, a third of mankind were killed by the fire, smoke, and sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horses is in their mouths, not in their tail, and in their tail, uh, and in their tail, sorry. For the tails are like serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. That, that's really odd, isn't it? Tails like serpents. 
fire coming out of the front. What does that sound like? A dragon. Modern tank. Well, it does t- well, sort of, if you got a gun shooting back in front at the same time. But look at, look at verse 20. Why, why, why does God release those plagues? I don't know if you've ever, I never caught this until I've been studying it this time. Look at verse, or, or didn't make a big deal out, 20 and 21. What, what happens? What does God point out? Why did God release these plagues on men? Because the first four were about nature. These are about men. What's there? Tell me, right there, verse 20. They didn't repent. He did it so that you go. Y'all, y'all know that old joke about the lady and her son was really misbehaving. This is probably from the 50s and 60s where strangers could spank children that misbehave. And uh, so this kid was really uh, misbehaving in a department store and the, start, the employee grabbed him and was going to spank him. And the mom said, no, no, don't spank him. And said, well, he's, he's, you know, he's causing a scene. Somebody's got to do something. What do you want me to do? She said, well, spank the little boy next to him. And when he sees that, he'll, he'll straighten up. God released these plagues so that you go, wow, God is great. I need to repent of my sin. But they don't. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, exactly. And I think that's an excellent point. And if, if any of us happen to be there, then we'll know. If we don't happen to be there, there, the copy, there will be copies of God's Word, I'm very convinced, laying around in the tribulation and people will be able to read them. Or there might be people that have read them going, guys, my nephew grew up in church, and I'm going to come back to something here, but my nephew grew up in church, and this is end times kind of stuff, in my opinion. Um, and he does not believe end times exactly like I do, but he's always studying. He's always asking me stuff. Not always, but he asks me stuff from time to time. And um, he was in, he's always been in church, never quit going to church, never didn't believe in God. But just like many people, kind of, well, it's what I do, and I'm going. He played, he's been playing bass guitar in church since he was a teenager, um, in the first church he's doing that, it was, the music was newer, but it wasn't crazy. Now he's in a church where he's thumping it like, you know, spanking it like a bad little baby. I mean, he's, he's playing some really, he's really good. He's an engineer, and he was working in this company back then. He doesn't work there anymore. And the guy down the hall from him, who is totally lost, totally not a Christian, walks in his office and says, Hey, Justin, I had a weird dream last night and described Armageddon like he was reading the book of Revelation. And he went, you dreamed that? And he went, yeah. He said, are you pulling my leg? He said, what do you mean? He said, you know, that's in the Bible. He went, what do you mean it's in the Bible? And he grabbed his Bible and said, Revelation right here. I mean, he knew enough to show him and tell him. And my nephew went, this is real. And all of a sudden, he became sold out to the Lord. 
because that is what that is what we ought to do once we realize wait this stuff's real <laughs> whether whether we see the second coming or not it's not the point what is the point is this is real and our task is to witness to people try to lead them to the lord right we we, we look at this and I, I i really appreciate your point brother because the, the point is we may get to heaven and go well that was cool i guess we'll watch it from here um, you know, if we're in the rapture, and then we'll watch it from there anyway. Or if we go through the tribulation, we'll go, oh, that's what that looks like. I, 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 I believe that. I, I, I'm firmly with you there. But, but notice here something that we didn't point out. Not only they did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver, and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murderers or their uh, sorceries or of their sexual immorality or their thefts. Now, let me just pause a moment because we read those words and we interpret them a certain way. But I want to I point out something about these words. Is what we understand included absolutely. But think about this. You're in 1962 and you read this and it says murders. They don't repent of their murders. So who is doing the murdering? If you read that in, in, in 1962 and it said murders, you go, yeah. People that murder people, kill people, right? I, I, I'm asking a very simple question here. Today, who murders people every day, semi-legally, legally? Abortionists. America is a nation of murderers. Well, I do too. But think about that. Sorceries. You read your horoscope. You play with a Ouija board. You 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 you've worship. You you're a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness. Cults are multiplying so much faster today than I believe and ever. So so sorceries. Uh, ancient aliens. Um, the paranormal. All of that's happening. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yes. Right. Yes. Who? Uh, yeah, and, and there was a demarcation somewhere in history where this became kind of because where do we get where did farm pharma yeah where where did pharmaceuticals first come from no but no not the word where did we first get medicine think of, don't think european think native american nature right hey yeah woodstock if you eat this root it'll help you do this if you get this bark Remember the sailors that were sailing to America in the 1400s, 1500s? They get here, they had scurvy. And the Indians said, oh, let's take this pine bark and boil it, and you get, 
and it, it'll cure scurvy. Why? They didn't know, but it had vitamin C in it. That's why. It was a lack of vitamin C. They understood nature, and so in some cultures, like, that dude is a witch doctor. Man, he knows stuff nobody knows. Somewhere there was a demarcation where it became a scientific thing because they went, oh, it's just this chemical in this plant. We figured that out. Do you know what a, a witch is? A, a Wiccan person? They worship nature as God, Mother Earth. I'm, I'm glad you brought this out because I'd have missed it. How about climate change? Because we've got to save Mother Earth. Really? According to this, at the end of time, Earth's still here kicking without any trouble. They need to read Revelation. Yeah, they do. <laughs> and they need to hear me teach on it. No, I'm sorry. And check this out. Okay, so that's two of the words. Um, murders, sorcerers, sexual immorality. Oh, we understand what that is. Sure, yeah. And, and STDs are multiplying like crazy ever since the 60s and the revolution. But what does James call someone who denies God? An adulterer. And an adulteress. When you understand that and you read in Revelation, everybody who is going with the beast and forsaking God, it uses that kind of term. Adultery. Forsaking God. It's, it's not a physical thing. It's not marriage in Revelation. This is God's term. The Bible says in the Old Testament, you know God divorced Israel in the Old Testament. One of the minor prophets says, I divorced you. He, he, he did it by the laws that he gave Moses. He divorced Israel. This is people that deny God. They've gone after another lover because God loved them and wanted them to be his. And they are committing sexual immorality against God. Do they do that? Yeah, that's part of pagan worship. I, I was reading the, the laws yesterday morning uh, in Deuteronomy. And we kind of skip over it. Your women shall not be female prostitutes in the, in the, in the pagan temples, nor your men. I was reading a section of Deuteronomy where old-timers have come up with stuff, and by old-timers I mean my, like, grandparents, that, because they misread it, because it said you will not bring the price of a prostitute or a dog into the house of God. So I had an old-timer in my last church tell me you shouldn't bring a dog in the church, because I brought my dog in one day, because it was just with me, and I had to pop in and get something, and so I brought it inside and took it right back out, but... I heard you brought your dog in here. You know, the Bible says you're not supposed to bring a dog into the church. I went, what? He said, that's in the Bible. Really? So I looked it up. Sorry, yeah, sorry, to, sorry to be a little more graphic than that. What do you call a, a, a boy who is always going after girls just for that reason? Call him a horn dog. We call them a dog. That, that thing in Deuteronomy is the price of a female prostitute or a male prostitute because you have male worshipers of pagan deities who don't want to have a woman. They want to worship their deity with a boy. Committing sexual immorality, a false religion that includes that because it is a degradation of the perfect picture that God gave us for the human relationship. Any sexual perversion is a 
slap in the face of God over creation. Transvestitism, homosexuality, promiscuity, all of it is just, it's all the same thing. It's nothing different. And God applies that to our religious life that when we leave him to serve other gods, we are committing adultery on him. That uh, section right there in the round is, is the only sin that says that you sin against your own, your own body. body. Yeah, and venereal disease teaches us that. But I've been reading through the Bible, all the places where it talks about that, and it names them, and then it says, those who practice these things and don't repent of it cannot enter the kingdom yeah, of heaven. Yeah, that's Galatians 5. That's one of the reasons I think. 19 and 20. I can remember when they first started talking about the mark of the beast, it was the coat of all. Then it was something that now we got the chip. Yeah. It actually changed you. Yeah. Six 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 is just a number that describes the beast. It's not the number necessarily he's going to use. He may. Look at the last word. Or their thefts. What could that mean other than me stealing something from you? Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's one thing. He comes to steal, to steal the love of God, to steal the spirit, all of that. And these are the things they didn't repent of. They steal the glory of God and assign it to beast. Does it drive you crazy when they show pictures of little animals that you need to rescue and they're playing, um, was it Silent Night or... Something like that during Christmas. I, 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 I wanted to find the producer of that and choke them out. I'm sorry, I get a little violent about that stuff. The zeal of God has consumed me sometimes. No, um, but, but for, seriously, you're equating a dog to a person. Stop. I'm not for abusing animals at all. Okay, they're, but they're animals. And God gave them to us to eat some of them, to have some of them to help us, some of them just to keep the whole system working right. Awesome. I'm not for abusing them. I'm for protecting them. They don't have souls. But people steal the glory of God and assign it to animals. And other, other things that belong to God, and we steal that and assign it to... We, we, we steal creation and assign it to science, to evolution. Just Those words mean more than just at face value. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> I've been, I've been trying to avoid that all night. Sorry. I knew I wanted to do that because sometimes I'll do that. Anyway, they, I'm not saying try to find hidden meaning in everything. But don't, as you're reading Revelation, he is talking about deeper things than all that he says. And that you can find these kinds of references all through the Bible on what I just said. Right? And yes. And then we got to go. That's why you need to go to promise. Yes. I mean, they're very rudimentary. There are things that we live around and are part of every single day. We, um, you know, basically too much food, too much idle time. Yeah. And that's what we. That's what we worship now.
Right, and there and there and there's none. Yeah. We even have a phrase for that. We call it first world problems. When when you are when you are totally upset because they put too much cream or forgot the cinnamon in your specially formed coffee at Starbucks, you have lost all reason in your mind. It's coffee. Take it and thank God that you can just walk in the store and buy it and go drink it. You know, it just drives me nuts. In fact, Steve Bradshaw was talking about um, using Facebook as this outreach tool. I went, wait, I, want, I, I, I kept from doing it, but I want to raise my hand and go, wait, wait. I thought Facebook was for people to get on there and complain about the stupid stuff because it's just we've lost our mind and, you're, and it's because of that. We're, we are, have so much we can complain about tiny things, and we have lost what God called us to do and be. It, 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 it drives me crazy. And I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. It drives me crazy about me, that I'm that guy, you know, where I find myself and I go, what am I doing? And my kids taught me that. It's like, Dad, that's a first world problem, you know. Like, yep. Well, I went way, way over, and y'all just sat there. Y'all are so kind to me. Thank you. I appreciate you putting up with me. Um, I, I want you to study hard. I want you to come to your own conclusions on this stuff. And, um, yeah, these things have been described in several modern ways, and it could be those things. It could be weapons of modern warfare, and this is the only language John knew how to use to describe it. But when he says an angel sent to open a bottomless pit and it comes out of there, I think it's something God made for this purpose, especially the last one, the sixth one. Remember, John is trying to, in his intellect and in that culture, mm-hmm. he's trying to find things that's hundreds of years ahead, you know, at least, at least 200 years. Well, I, I, want, I, will, I want y'all to look at that, that thing about the seventh trumpet and toward the end, there's something there that makes me go, wait a minute, dude, hold on a second. You, you can make your argument, but you can't say that, okay? And so you look for that, see if you think you know what I saw. I didn't read it all in detail enough to say, but I was reading it, and I went, wait, what's that? So let's pray, and so you can go, Father, thank you again. Lord, we don't want to be unrepentant. We don't want to be these people that ignore you. We don't want to live blinded to the spirit world where every day there are angels protecting us from the onslaught of our enemy. Uh, Lord, this spiritual warfare is truly going on and we ought to be mindful of it. We ought to be praying for people that are trapped by our enemy, people that are prisoners of this war and to set them free. And so, Lord, we pray that we will declare our allegiance to you and that we would serve you with our whole heart. Help us to do that. We look forward to the end. Thank you for telling us what it's going to look like. Uh, But Lord, uh, help us to be ready for whatever comes that uh, we might, uh, might serve you. Lord, our brothers and sisters right now are in tribulation around the world, dying for their faith as they trust you and believe in you and expect they have set their mind on the hope that will be revealed when they see you face to face. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.